1: Robertson, thank you for listening to the special encore presentation of TV Confidential. We'll be back with a brand new edition of the program next week. Our guests will include Emmy Award-winning actor and producer Kevin Spiritus.
0: Hi, this is Allison Arngrim, alias Nellie Olson, and you're listening to TV Confidential.
1: Hey, Robertson. Welcoming you back to TV Confidential, a radio talk show about television. Is pleased to welcome Mr. George Maharis. Of course, many of us think of George Maharis as Buzz Murdoch on Route 66, the groundbreaking television series from the early 1960s that is still considered to be among the very best dramatic television series. Ever made, but what you may not know about George Maharis is that he has an extensive stage and film background, including productions of Exodus, Death Watch, The Zoo Story, Sylvia, The Desperados, and The Most Deadly Game. George has also enjoyed a successful career as a recording artist, both for Columbia Records as well as doing live shows in Las Vegas. While these days he has become an accomplished painter with a particular concentration on creating impressionistic oil paintings. And as a matter of fact, folks, many of George's paintings, I believe, are on display at museums in New York City. We will talk about Route 66, of course, as well as some of George's other roles in film and television in just a sec. But first, George Maharis, welcome to TV Confidential. Thank you. You've got such an interesting background above and beyond Route 66, A lot of different, a lot of questions are popping in my head at the moment. But first, let me ask you an obvious one: What first sparked your interest in painting?
0: Well, when I was a young actor, I used to get odd jobs, and one of the odd jobs I got, quite by accident, was a painter who painted murals. And uh, he asked me, or a friend of his, asked me whether I wanted an odd job, which I did and that's where i was introduced to painting and then of course when i went to europe and saw all the great paintings it has always been in the back of my head that it's it's the one kind of art that you can do where you don't have to make any compromises you just do it the way you want if people don't like it you say that's okay and you move on whereas with an actor or a singer there's so many other things to consider the playwright and the play and the other actors and the and that's the way it goes, and uh, it seemed to me that uh, this is the only thing that you can do is you put it on a canvas exactly the way you want it, and if they don't like it, they don't like it. That, to me, is incredible.
1: Last week I had occasion to see the play Art at the Pasadena Playhouse, and what what I liked about it, George, is, is, is again, paintings and, and abstract art, That that's something that escapes me. I mean, I try to understand it Abstract way. escapes me. Too. <laughs> But what, what I loved about that particular play, I'm, I'm, I I don't know if you've seen it, I'm guessing that you have. But, uh, I have not. Okay, well, it's basically, it's three men in a conversation over this white painting. And it, it appears to be a blank canvas, but the guy... Who- yeah, it's in
0: the Museum of uh, Modern Art in New York City. There's one that's a white painting. It's a, like a, a 12 by 12 or something like that. And next to it, there's one that's all black.
1: Yeah, it is it's one of those things that, it, 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 I guess it speaks to the very concept of certain forms of art in that it is open to interpretation. And one one man's blank canvas could very well be, you know, uh, another person's comment on the on the human condition. It just depends well, on Well,
0: to me, saying. if I look at a white canvas, that's what I see, a white canvas. <laughs> and I, I prefer to have some kind of imagery on it that I have not seen before, somebody yeah. who takes anything in life or in nature and rearranges it, you know, as Picasso did or Suzanne did or Matisse or any of those people, and gives you a point of view about something you've looked at all your life and you say, well, I've never seen that before, and it widens your horizon. A black canvas or a white canvas to me, for me, doesn't do a lot.
1: It seems to me, George, that quite a few actors are drawn, so to speak, to you know, either oil painting or some sort of drawing, either as a pastime or as a second. Yeah, folk love to uh, draw. What is it about actors and drawing and actors and painting? Is it simply another way of channeling one's creativity?
0: Yeah, and it's also a very expressive art from the standpoint, as I told you before, you get to do it exactly the
1: way you want it. We're talking to George Meharis, star of Route 66, Exodus, The Most Deadly Game, and other stage and film productions. All four seasons of Route 66 are coming out on DVD as part of a special edition box set from our friends at Shout Factory beginning May 29th, while our friend Jim Rosen wrote an excellent companion guide to Route 66 called Route 66, the television series which you can find by going to ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, classic tvseriesbooks.com. I want to ask you about Route 66 in just a second, George. But first, a few years prior to that, you worked with Otto Preminger in the movie version of Exodus. Now, I've read a lot of stories about Otto Preminger, and some have said there's a reason why he was called Awful Otto. What was your experience working with Otto Preminger?
0: Uh, I thought he was a very talented producer-director, but he did have a short fuse. And uh, he would express it. The one thing I found out about Otto Preminger is you don't back down from him. If you back down from him, he does not like it. He, He enjoys, at least what I got from him, he enjoys and respects you if you stand for what you believe. But I saw him on the set in Exodus in Israel when there were a few actors there who just simply cowered to him and he just destroyed them.
1: But it it goes back to something else, George. I mean, whether you're working with an auto-preminger or or anybody else with a strong personality, nine times out of ten, if you stand your ground, you're going to come out of the experience with them respecting you. I agree with that. Yeah, or you respecting them. I agree with that. Now, uh, you, you also worked with... Paul Newman in the film version of Exodus. You had several several extensive scenes with him. Um, yeah, and even Murray
0: Satan and uh, Salminio.
1: Oh, I love I love Sal Mineo. He's, I mean he, I mean t- to me he's he's one of those actors like you that always seemed to bring an intensity, whether it was a whether it was a big role, whether it was a supporting role. You all, I mean he always left his mark in in anything he did. Well, that's right.
0: Paul Newman particularly also. Very strange. At the beginning of Paul Newman's uh, career, he had a choice between two scripts. One was called The uh, Silver Chalice, and the other was called Rebel Without a Cause. Oh. That's which one he chose. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, but yeah. But he recovered from that, didn't he? Oh, he should. <laughs> he sure did. For what I understand about uh, Paul Newman, even though he was a film actor, I understand that he took a stage actor's approach to... Oh, be- yeah.
0: yeah. Well, he was on the stage. He was in Picnic on the stage. And uh, he played uh, the, uh, I can't remember the name of the role, not the lead, uh, that, was, that was Ralph Mika. Mm-hmm. But he played, uh, he had one of the parts, and I think he was understudying Ralph Mika in the Broadway production of that play.
1: Did you meet Newman through the actor's studio? Was that the first time you'd worked
0: with oh, him? Oh, I, I met him actually on the set in Israel. And I was aware of him, but I, I had never met him there.
1: Who did you study under when you when you went to the
0: actor's well, studio? My, my first my first teacher uh was uh, first major teacher was um, at the neighborhood playhouse, Sanford Meisner, and uh, I was acquainted with Ben Gazzara, Mm -hmm. and Ben Gazzara said, who you studying with, and I told him, he said, you should be with Lee Strasberg, and he got me in to see Lee Strasberg, and that's how I got there.
1: I, I know that there are different forms of the method, depending on who you study and depending on, I guess, what works for you as a performer, to you, uh, George, to you, what is the method?
0: Well, actually, uh, the method or any other system, in my view, should be whatever you can find that you can use. You use and you drop the rest. You don't try to make it something that does not work for you just because it works for a lot of other people. So, what it does, it what it does for you is it shows you to try to find the things that work, which means that you have to be daring and fresh and not repeat and and lean on things that you know will work. And for me, that's what it was. And the impromptu was uh, like we used to do a lot of improvisations. And that teaches you how to react to whatever the situation is. The only thing that you want to make sure that you're doing is not faking it and uh they're very strong Uh, the the method system is very strong on drawing from your personal experiences so that you don't imitate yourself or come off as
1: fake well with that in mind what did you what experiences did you draw from as you came to create buzz murdoch in route 66
0: well i came from the streets of new york And uh, that's what I grew on. That's who I was. And I am not the kind of actor who likes to be able to go out and, and like Rich Little, who can hear a voice and imitate it. That's not my, that doesn't excite me. What excites me is to find a new way of doing things, only drawing on who you are and what you are. And mine came from the experiences I had as a child and grew up in the streets of New York. And when I was uh, doing Death Watch uh, with Vic Morrow, that's where Screen Gems came and saw me. Mm -hmm. And I did uh, two or three Naked Cities, and uh, they liked me, put me under contract. And uh, I spoke to Sterling Sillipan about a lot of stuff that I had been doing, so he wrote the character of Buzz Murdoch with me in mind. So a lot of this stuff, you know, I drew on, and in many cases, uh, you know, Bert. Bert and and Sterling were very open to what shall I say uh, criticism about things and if they agreed with you they went with it if they didn't, they stood their ground. Uh, one specific one is I remember when Marty wants to uh, that's uh, Todd Stiles in the series mm-hmm. wants to race a car and they wrote it like I wanted to stop him and I said that's that's not what Buzz would do. You know Buzz would say go to it. You know, he wouldn't stop it. I said, I'm not his mother, and, and Sterling agreed.
1: So they changed it. That kind of stems with, with, with another question I want to ask you, George. And we'll get to that question in just a second. In the meantime, you're listening to an encore presentation of a conversation with actor George Maharis that originally aired in March 2012. George Maharis passed away this past Wednesday, May 24th, at the age of 94. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. At what point did you feel... That you knew the character of Buzz better than Burt Leonard, better than Sterling Silver. That
0: probably came maybe six or eight months into the series. And if I watch, you know, if I watch the series, you can see it at at the beginning. I don't know whether the viewers can see it, but I see it because as we got into the series, and and Marty and I got to know each other and the characters and so forth, and so forth, and so on, it started to work better and better.
1: Of course, you, you mentioned the viewers may have picked up on that you know, as they were watching the show in real time when it, when it originally aired in the early 60s, but I understand because of the way the show was made and the fact that you were on location all the time, you didn't really have time to, to watch the show yourself until many, many, many years later.
0: You're absolutely right. I didn't see any of them. We were working Friday night. We worked uh, practically seven days a week because we made 33, 32, 35 shows a year, which they don't do anymore. And we were on the road and we would get the scripts like on a Saturday or Sunday and start filming it Monday. So lots of times I would read it Saturday night and then I would be on on the phone Sunday with conversations with Bert Sterling. And that's the way it went. So what you had to do, was you had to perfect your uh, improvisational skills because, in many cases,
1: you only got one take. You, you only got one take, and, and yeah, you only got one take because it was because just, you had
0: you were shooting fourteen pages.
1: Yeah, and you got to keep the, to the production schedule. And it's not like you can you can you can um, go back to the
0: uh, well. The they had thing. they had the shows slated for five days for one show. That never happened. It took six, seven eight days to do a show and, because of uh, problems and so forth and so on and just too many things to do so in many cases and if you look at the shows you will see that there was very there was no looping if, if you know what that
1: means that that's when you go into post-production and you will correct something um in, in
0: yeah, because of the sound of the airplane flew all the time. there was none of that or practically none i should say maybe one or two. I never went in there. Everything was and the sound crew and and uh, Jack Marder, and the, uh, the the camera crew—they were terrific. They
1: solved most of the problems. And and again, uh, we we have been touching on this before. The amazing thing is that every episode of that show was shot in a different town, different city across the United States. Right. Well, what we tried to
0: do is we tried to stay within a vicinity for three or four shows because traveling from one place to another. Oh, you would lose.
1: like a modern-day wagon train in the yeah, exactly we were right there on the set what you saw is what you got of course it was an anthology show with you and Martin Milner as the as the regular characters but uh, exactly but I understand there were
0: two guys two guys Marty came from the well-to-do family and I came from the streets and I worked for Marty's father and then Marty's father or Todd's father died mm-hmm. and left him with the only thing he had which was the we decide that, let's find out where we belong. So we go on the road and we get involved with people and things like that and looking, because originally the script, the show was called The Searches, Which
1: which I don't think would have worked, George, because you know in 1960, that's too, that's too close to that iconic Western movie with John Wayne. So I, I think changing it to Route 66 was... Well, the reason
0: they, they changed the name is because somebody had the name already Oh. oh, I should say they had rights on it, couldn't use it. So they changed it to sixty six. And it was it was I, li- I liked them a lot better. And of course Nelson Riddle Nelson Riddles theme was terrific.
1: Yeah, and of, course, and of course you know, uh that was back in the day when you would have that opening title sequence that would just put you in the mood, you know, not you know, not only the title sequence but that Nelson Riddles music, it would put you in the mood to watch that show every Friday night, and that's gone today because you gone. Know, not only
0: that, but most people what happened to the red Corvette was never red
1: why do people think it was red George
0: Uh, yeah, yeah. that was my next question (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I don't know I used to say when the show was in black and white what made you think it was red I think they just associated a fast car with the color red
1: well I I understand that uh, you ended up getting a Corvette as a result of doing the show
0: oh yeah Uh, a cute story about that when when we were going there I, I asked Tech Pryor who was people at Campbell Ewell who represented Chevy and and the show and I asked him, Are they going to give us a car? And he said to me, Do you want a car? And I said, Yes. He said, Well you do it, I tell you you'll get one. So we went into the meeting, we met the big weeks at at Chevy and I said to them, Listen, you know we're gonna be on the road, is it okay if I bring my Thunderbird?
1: (laughs) What did you say after that?
0: I said we'll we'll get your car
1: Talking to George Meharis. George is the star of Route 66, and we'll continue our conversation with George after this quick timeout here on TV Confidential.
2: Ah, mmm. The first taste
1: of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on.
2: That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At caskers.com, we make this experience easy.